Hey, Paul, we just finished the Power Up show um, today, and I forgot the date, the 25th of July. Jeez, we're almost in August. I know, I know. Yeah, I know, exactly right. Yeah, we had a fantastic show tonight. Four absolutely amazing guests and some great content they shared. I thoroughly enjoyed it all. Yeah, I would agree with that. And as always, uh, we need to have a big shout-out to our um, sponsor, Insight Intelligence Group. Yes, we do, we do. Did you hear the case about the missing champagne? Uh, I did hear the case about missing champagne, but I think you should share it. <laughs> you don't want to share the story? <laughs> uh, I think you tell it better than me. <laughs> My version of events. Correct, correct. Well, Inside Intelligence, they are fact-finding missions. They try to figure out what is happening to any organisation where there is loss or theft. And in the case of a driver who swore blind that he wasn't stealing anything or taking anything and nobody could prove that stock was missing out of his van, Inside Intelligence got involved, spent six days outside of his house watching his behaviours and actions, and digging through his dustbin was able to find the proof of the missing champagne bottles. And this was costing the organisation, on average, a couple of thousand, well, I think it was $10,000 a month that they were telling us about. It was astounding. And there is no trail as to how long that was happening. So if you are losing money in your organisation, perhaps it's time to get Insight Intelligence on board. And with that, we're off to the podcast. We are the Insight Intelligence Group, specialising in Australian corporate investigations and information risk management, workplace investigations, competitor analysis, social media intelligence, reputational risk management, internal or external investigations. Professional and proactive, Insight Intelligence Group works with you to ensure the success of the investigation. Australia-wide or global, facts, not opinion. 02 9837 Insight Intelligence. Good evening and welcome to the Power Up Show with Mia and Paul. It is Thursday the 25th of July, 5 past 6. Paul, how are you? I'm well, thank you Mia. Good evening, good evening everybody. Welcome to uh, Power Up Express as I like to call it on a Thursday evening. Thank you Mia for making such an uh, impression <laughs> with your corporate attire this evening. Yeah, uh, Don't make me climb over this desk and slap you. Um, now... <laughs> <laughs> we are in radio for a reason. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Mia's obviously had a personal uh, personal uh, trainer session, I would guess, by the way that she's uh, dressed uh, dressed tonight. Um, and I'm sitting here looking a bit overdressed in the suit. But anyway, we've got a packed show tonight. Uh, we've got uh, four fantastic uh, mm. guests uh, tonight. First of all, we'll be hearing from Gillian uh, uh, Bullock, the uh, LinkedIn ninja. And, uh, and now Gillian is the only LinkedIn ninja in the whole of the Southern Hemisphere. So she's a very special lady. Uh, and she's absolutely sensational. Um, we will then talk to um, my good friend Philip Watson for Insurance Made Easy. He's going to be talking about um, uh, cyber and cyber attacks, what cyber are, and also in terms about how to insure against that. So some great knowledge just here mm. with our people because it's a scary subject that... Uh, and something I think small business need to insure against now because it right. could cost you tens of thousands of absolutely dollars to right. get your stuff back. Absolutely right. So Philip, we mm. have some more insight there. Uh, we will then be talking to um, Roy Kowalski. Sorry if I pronounced uh, Roy's surname incorrectly. <laughs> uh, Roy is from Out There Branding. He's going to be talking um, a little bit about uh, the sort of things that can be done with um, uh, me. You might help me here because uh, you know Roy better than me. It's all to do with sales and how to get attention uh, in the right place with the right message and the right image. It's just fantastic. I am frothing over the discussion we're going to have with him today. Fantastic. And guest number four um, is uh, Leah's back to talk about uh, mental toughness and uh, for another segment there. So looking forward to uh, to hearing from her. Yeah, very exciting. And, and I'll probably put Mia on the spot and ask, her, ask, ask Mia to come up with a segment as well. But uh, <laughs> I think we we'll won't have time short. for that. <laughs> uh, Paul, you have picked all the music today. Um, uh, yes, which means you've changed it all. 
Correct. Yeah. Correct. But yeah. I think we're going to give away your age because you're what, 72 uh, and a half? How about we just think about <laughs> um, working with different generations? All right. Uh, we'll be back after the break and we'll be chatting to Gillian, the LinkedIn Ninja. You're listening to the Power Up Show with me and Paul on Live 90.5. Now, Paul, when you go to a doctor because there's something wrong, do you try to go to the best possible doctor you can find, the best specialist that you can find? I certainly do. Fantastic. So it actually blows my mind every time I hear that there's a LinkedIn trainer that's just on uh, LinkedIn and they're trying to teach you new things. When we actually have the only, I think, LinkedIn accredited from LinkedIn themselves, Ninja, that is available to help people by the name of Gillian Bullock. Gillian, how are you? I'm welcome to you. How are you guys doing? Yeah, good. Welcome and thanks so much for coming on the show. We do appreciate it. No problem. Now, Gillian, it does frustrate me because more often than not, I do hear uh, Mm -hmm. all these new LinkedIn trainers that are coming in. Now, am I right to say that you actually trained with LinkedIn themselves and have a very strong relationship? Um, almost. Almost. <laughs> so, uh, yes, there's a yes and no to that. So, I am certified as a LinkedIn ninja, and the original LinkedIn ninja was trained by LinkedIn and one of the first people to start um, moving around America and um, spreading the word in the when it was an infant um, social media platform. Mm-hmm. And then in 2017, um, when they changed the entire interface, when Microsoft just bought it out, um, everybody went nuts saying Microsoft is going to kill something again, just like they did with Skype. As one does, yeah. And so they started going out there trying to find um, people that they could recognise as, uh, I use quotations here, uh, independent LinkedIn experts. Um, and I was selected within that to work with LinkedIn for a year. And LinkedIn. So there was only, there was so did you say a year you worked with LinkedIn for yeah. a year? Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's and almost the, like going to a doctor, to a heart surgeon. Sorry, Paul. It's like going to a heart surgeon and saying, you know, how long have you been doing heart surgery for heart surgery, cardio? I don't know what they do. <laughs> <laughs> and the doctor goes, oh, no, actually, I'm just a GP. And that's what's yeah. out there at the moment. There's all of these LinkedIn trainers who I'm sure have a really good grasp and fundamental of LinkedIn. However, you have a much more in-depth relationship, first of all, as well as knowledge of the platform that nobody else can get. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of contacts that I have um, in LinkedIn because I've been um, teaching LinkedIn for ten years and on it for twelve. So after all that time, you get to know some of the staff there and you get invited to um, different events they put on. Not that I've ever actually been able to go over to San Francisco (laughs) for three hours. Um, But, you know, sometimes I get invited to webinars and things like that, which are, you know, straight from the horse's mouth kind of training. So um, very rare, but it does happen. And for the benefit of this, Jenny, just uh, just tell them how many other LinkedIn ninjas uh, there there are um, locally and, uh, and uh, locally. There's none um, around the world. There's eleven, and on the the group that was chosen to work with LinkedIn, um, there was only twelve. Wow! And, wow! And, and, and that's and, and you're the only yeah, one in Australia. Southern Hemisphere. Yes, yes. that's right. And that's in, right. In Asia Pacific, where are you rated in terms of LinkedIn trainers in the Asia Pacific uh, region? Number one at the moment. Well, there you go. The Power Up Show and I know is that, being powered but, up by the LinkedIn Ninja. <laughs> and I had to draw that out of uh, Jillian because I know she's modest. So unless, yeah. unless, unless we actually draw that out of her, she, just, she doesn't say that. So, uh, no. but because I think that's an amazing achievement and uh, and all credit to you. Cause, and, and, 
<laughs> yeah, I know you've got some fantastic uh, information to share. Now, Gillian, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And you yeah. have generously agreed to make this regular segment with us because you, just like us, know the most important parts of LinkedIn and the importance of LinkedIn in 2019 moving forward. So yeah. what kind of advice and tips do you have us have for us this week that we can start fiddling around with in LinkedIn? Well, I thought since um, I'd be coming on every week, it would be sort of, poignant to give something that's happening in the last week. Oh, beautiful. Um, so it's nice and up-to-date and that sort of thing. So something that I found um, is, is really buzzing around is to do with their company pages on LinkedIn, which they just call pages now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody got a $120,000 bonus just for changing the word to company pages to pages, <laughs> but let's not go there. Um, <laughs> so a, a couple of weeks ago, they pulled out a new feature um, that they were trialling, um, which I actually posted about on my company page, which is now completely irrelevant. But anyway, um, and they pulled it out that was you having the ability to invite your own personal connections to follow a company page. Now, if you can think of that on a larger scale, just say we have 20 employees, um, then all 20 of them could have invited people to the one company page. So you can see how important um, that would have been for amplification. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because up until this point, it was very difficult to grow your company page, right? It it, it was unless you really knew what you were doing. Mm. Um, A a few years ago, there used to be a button that you could click on and then it would go through your connection feeds and sort of advertise it and say, you know, are you following so-and-so's company page? Um, That button was taken away years ago. So it's been rather difficult for a few years. Um, but yeah, they brought they brought that feature in, and when I saw it, because um, I manage a couple of um, of my own company pages, and when I when I saw it, I went, oh, that's really cool. But I bet LinkedIn are monitoring this in their their non spammy stringent way that they do. Um, so I put out a post saying, um, if you've got this feature already make sure that you're only inviting people that you know really well in your network that would immediately know your company page um, and recognise it because, and then, you know, a couple of days later I found out um, through some of my contacts that you could only, um, if somebody rejected it, you would never get the chance to invite them again. Mm. So they were monitoring how many people rejected Mm. Um, and but that's also maintaining the integrity of LinkedIn, isn't it? So it's stopping what you have with Facebook, which is very much that spam nature. Uh, you've got a, um, <clears throat> a company page or a personal page, and you're mm. just sending out invites to 700 people, whether you know them or not. You're just sending them out. Yes. But LinkedIn seems to be trying to maintain the integrity of the platform, that this is a professional platform. Uh, treat people with respect and don't spam them. Well, the, the user agreement still specified, which has never changed since day one, we, is that you only connect with people that you know in the offline world. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, how many people do that? Maybe 2%. Yeah. But, but that's still there. <laughs> That'll be Paul, by the way. <laughs> I'm getting better. <laughs> I'm getting better. I've, I'm, I'm about to approach a significant milestone of connections. <laughs> What's that, Sam? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're close, Gillian. <laughs> I've just shown I've just shown me the number. <laughs> Nine hundred and ninety-five. It's only been there forever. <laughs> oh, okay. So, Gillian, it's interesting yeah. what you say. So now you're having an opportunity to grow, grow your business profile on a platform that's very much 
directed towards the business person, uh, towards the professional, mm. who yep. can then look at it. And the information that's going on there is very much more of a professional manner than that of what you would see on Facebook. It seems yes. to be very oh, different content, the, yeah. The mindset when people go onto Facebook is, you know, to catch up with friends or, or look at the photos of their nephew teething or something. Oh, um, Lordy, Lord. Or, or catch yeah. a cake or something like that, you know, while they're commuting on the way home. Whereas um, when people come onto LinkedIn, they're like, okay, uh, let me grow um, the business news in the industry that I'm in. Let me catch up with business associates. Let me... Um, grow my network, let me get more customers. It's all, it's all to do with, um, you know, it's all business and career orientated. But the, the really sad thing about that particular feature that they did bring out is they took it away again in about six days. Oh. Um, yeah, because, uh, you know, fortuitously, I didn't realise that my advice about making sure you only connect with, uh, put the page out there to people that would recognise it really easily... Um, is obviously that was not being done. And then there were so many reports to LinkedIn about the spammy nature no. of the invite that they pulled it. Oh, so there you go. That quickly. Yep, there you go. Quickly. So what you're saying is treat LinkedIn with the professionalism and respect that people deserve in the offline world and LinkedIn will continue to provide you with great uh, features. But if you take advantage of it, they're just going to whip it away immediately. Yes, pretty much. Pretty much. So, so we're a little bit back to square one, um, but there is other ways to get noticed, a company page to get noticed, and that comes all the way down to your hashtag communities on your company page. Outstanding. So, Gillian, next week when you're mm. on the call, can we have a quick chat about the hashtags in your company page? Absolutely. So uh, between now and then, perhaps your followers can go and check it out on their company page yep. and have a look whether there's use that section or not outstanding Gillian thank you so much we'll be back with you next week with the LinkedIn Ninja uh, and all the details will be up on my website to contact Gillian you're listening okay. to the Power Up Show thank you Gillian with uh, me and Paul on a live 90.4 it is currently 23 past 6 on Thursday the 25th of July and we've got Philip Watson with us in the studio from Iron IME, sorry, Philip, insurance brokers, having a little chat with us about cyber insurance. And the interesting thing about this, Philip, is that the reality actually of the situation is that a lot of organizations don't even realize they're under attack or somebody has sneakily snuck in, is that the correct way of saying mm. it, into their web- website, taken, put bots in or whatever it is they've done until it's absolutely late, too yeah. late. Is that correct? Oh, that's absolutely right. There's some brand new statistics out of America saying that is actually the event that takes place. Um, of the of the hi- the highest probability um, is that particular cause, and it is months before someone actually finds out, and then obviously the accountants get involved because they're going through all the statements and all the accounts, finding mm. out that there's money that's been leaking plus data and people's personal information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and so I mean, just Philip, just uh, how can uh, basically cyber insurance? I've heard about cyber insurance. How can that really uh, help in terms of businesses out there? Um, well, we really look at it on the basis that we say in this information age, it isn't a matter of actually if it's going to happen mm-hmm. for small business, medium business, large mm. business. Mm. It's really a matter of when it's mm. going to happen. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so it's a real reality check. There's some um, statistics that have come out. Uh, the top three issues with regards to cyber attacks, uh, ransomware Phishing, and phishing is not the rod and reel type <laughs> phishing, um, and also malware. 
Um, so, you know, very quickly the ransomware side of it, that's where someone threatens to publish the person that's been hacked their data or they block it unless there's a ransom that's been paid. The difference between that and phishing is phishing is this fraudulent practice of actually sending emails purporting to be from reputable companies and that's the... That's yeah, I got the one from yeah, Medicare very, the other that's day. That's very common, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I got one from Medicare the other day telling me it was time to update my Medicare card and the interesting thing was it is almost that time for me for my Medicare card. However... It was an email address that's relatively new. There's nowhere Medicare would have it, and there were alarm bells ringing for quite some time. So when I yep. looked at the email address, I went, we're going on a fishing trip, mate. You bring the beer, I'll bring the rod, let's go. Yeah, and uh, look, you know, uh, in today's society, there are those people that are quite wary, mm. but mm. there's also a lot of innocent, vulnerable people that Absolutely. actually could be attacked mm. and yeah. have a lot of money you know, taken from them and information. The last one I was just going to mention is malware. And uh, unfortunately, malware is the nasty one because they don't really want to take the information away from you. They just want to go and destroy what you've got. And obviously, mm -hmm. the, there's the cost of rebuilding all that mm. information when that's done. Mm. And what sort of coverage is available to, to cover those risks? Really? Um, cyber insurance policies uh, are pretty much standard with regards to the coverage that they provide. The beauty is for a small business, it can mm. be customised based on their... Um, IT requirements right, sure. um, and where their areas of concern are. Um, so theft and loss of data restoration, I think we spoke about that before, uh, where the information's physically taken from the organisation and then also software's damaged, so there's costs that are incurred there. Um, obviously, when a business is hacked, um, there's business interruption cover. The business interruption cover mm. will have a look at mm. how it has disrupted your business and what costs have been incurred during that disruption period. So that's a core part of the insurance policy. Mm. Uh, breach of privacy, as mm. we know, with the Privacy mm. Act, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of businesses that have got a lot of personal information. Um, I think there was an example with uh, Uber, for example, uh, where a lot of information from Uber was hacked. Um, and that information... Australian bank, Blood Bank was also hacked and all that information went out yeah, too. Mm. Yeah, so... Blackmores, so the Blackmores... Um, running race organisation, whatever that is, they were hacked too. So it's not small. It's not like you're sitting there as a small company going, is this going to happen to me? It's exactly what you said. Yeah, when exactly. is it going to it's happen to me? Happen. Because if yeah, they're yeah. able to get into these really big organisations, yeah. what chance are you going to stand as a small guy? Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And I, and I think we all know that there's antivirus type software there. Mm -hmm. The software developers that I've come in contact with, mm -hmm. when I talk to them about cyber insurance... I would have thought perhaps they would have said that, oh, it's not needed in the market, but they absolutely say to me what a fantastic safety net mm. it is for small mm. business in the mm. event that that possible hacking mm. takes place. Mm. Mm. And for a small business, tens of thousands of dollars is a cost on the bottom line. It can be Absolutely. quite devastating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just coming back to it, mm. um, there's also um, uh, cover with regards to uh, resourcing anyone you might require in the event of a crisis. Mm -hmm. So this is actually the media mm -hmm. side of it now because your brand could be damaged in yes. the marketplace, yeah. your reputation could be mm -hmm. damaged. So there are expenses that are there to not only rectify a systems problem and a data problem, but also with your image that's damaged in the marketplace, 
you need to build that back up to give your customers confidence at the end of the day that you're an organisation that it is safe to deal with. Mm, mm, mm. Um, one of the things I was just going to mention lastly with regards to cover is that um, the big insurers now have 24-7 help desks. So, you know, it could be you working from home and it could be 10pm at night. Um, you don't have access to an IT specialist. So ideally what you're able to do is involve the insurance company who have global resources, they have IT people, they have lawyers, they have um, media specialists, um, and they are there to start to manage your particular claim and apply some what they call risk mitigation measures. Sure. So yep. the damage to the organisation is minimised. Yes, minimised. Yeah, but front, it's yeah. that life ring that gets mm. thrown out yes. on a 24-7 basis. Yeah. And we are talking about... Um, some quite significant resources that sit behind those That's insurance amazing. claims mm. department to help out. Mm. Mm. Hey, I've got a question for you. So um, when there's a kidnapping, um, we always hear the statement, we don't negotiate with terrorists and we're not going to pay ransoms and yep. what have you. Yes, Paul, to answer your question, I'm if laughing. you were kidnapped, I'm I would not pay no, a I'm, ransom. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just laughing about no, a different type of insurance, but you don't <laughs> want to go there. Do you? Um, my question is, you know, you talk about that ransomware. So somebody is asking me to part with $30,000 just to give back, you know, access back into my database. Yeah. Where does insurance sit on paying the ransom versus paying for a recovery? Yeah. So my understanding would be that um, the earlier that the insurer gets engaged in the event that's taking place, based on their experience globally for those insurers, how they actually manage and how they communicate to try and get the information back, possibly without paying the ransom to begin with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But my understanding also is there are insurance claims that are paid in, in respect to paying a ransom and actually receiving the money back. So the short answer is that the insurers become very much engaged and close with the victim mm -hmm. of who's been hacked mm -hmm. And then there's a whole negotiation process. Like the FBI, that takes we've place. all seen movies. So like the FBI <laughs> hostage negotiators. Is you've what seen, we're you've seen claims insurance. And once again, Paul, if you're taken hostage, I probably wouldn't be quoting anyone no. to help you there. I have no values here. <laughs> But if that's that's fantastic. Thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah, thank you for coming evening. into the thank studio. I'm sorry I'm so overdressed for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a pleasure. It's um, I thank you both for the opportunity and and uh, you know we're all about education really. So there's a lot of people who are out there that know insurance is hard to understand, and of course that's why we call insurance made easy. We spend the time to educate, which is important. Yeah, mm. no, yeah, and fantastic. that was very informative. Fantastic. Yeah, perfect. You're listening to a live 90.5. This is the Power Up Show with Mir and Paul. Uh, Paul, one of my biggest pet peeves as a sales trainer is the fact that salespeople tend to get their message wrong most of the time. And if you've got a sales team of five people and you sit them all down, everyone's got a different message. And it just annoys me because a company should have a consistent message, wouldn't you agree? I totally agree. And how often have you and I sat down and I've said to you, give me your sales pitch. And I keep on going, but I don't know what you're selling to me. We have that message, yeah? <laughs> so today I met with the most interesting and fascinating man. Roy, how are you? 
I'm very, very good. And you? Yeah, good. Thank you, Roy. Roy's from Out There Branding. And Roy, I handed Paul a bit earlier mm. what you and I have been talking about today, and I'll share that with our listeners now. And <laughs> I'm blown away. Yeah. Once I worked out how to actually get it moving and turn the, the, the on-off button was handy, um, but uh, absolutely fantastic. So, Roy, you know what I've given Paul. Do you mm. want to just talk th- to tell our listeners exactly what Paul is looking at, and then we'll take the conversation from there? Absolutely. It's a video brochure that um, brings print and video all in one package. Correct. And you know what? The reason I wanted you to, wanted to get you on the show, Roy, and one of the reasons I wanted to meet with you uh, today was because you shared with me a story about somebody who was trying to get in front of a client and struggling to get in front of a client. And by sending them this video brochure and going through this video brochure, they were able to sign a $500,000 deal. Correct, yes. So that is just so a phenomenal outcome. It, it's an amazing outcome. And um, I was very fortunate that this, this guy, um, after he achieved this, he stood up in a public forum of about 40 business people and he told that exact story. And what he said was um, I, he had, he had this, this concept of the video brochures in his mind. He, when I explained it to him, he, he kind of got it, but he didn't really get it. Um, so he, we, we, we did a sale of the video brochures and I explained to him the strategy of how he needed to do it. He then went and, and pitched for a job along with some other con- other companies that were doing the same uh, work that he did, um, and he won the contract, the $500,000 contract. And when he won the contract, the, the, the person that was adjudicating who was going to get it, they said to him, you won this contract because your point of difference, that video brochure, completely took our breath away. Mm. Now, we've lost Paul. He's got into La La Land because he's completely engaged with the video brochure. I am, yes. So, so you won't, you won't hear <laughs> so I've lost him completely now. I should have wasted later for that. <laughs> but here's the reality of the situation. Why does a video brochure work so well? Well, first of all, it's really engaging because it is visual, isn't it? So instead of listening to somebody, we've got a visual in front of us and it's dependent on what you want that visual to look like. So tick one, you've engaged me with something very different. Mm. Secondly, and I think this is really important, is as an organization, as a company, you're actually controlling the message. You're no longer relying on a salesperson who's having an off day to control that message for you. You're actually controlling the message, getting it put out to the people that they need to see it in such a way that it's succinct to the point driving home what needs to be told I mean look I've lost you Paul haven't I you have you I lo- can't I, get I'm still I'm just, I'm just playing with the technology here Roy sorry I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time I'm sorry I'm just watching Paul the technophobe he's I just suppose, loving this yeah I suppose the one consistent uh, the one sorry the one point that you that you that you left out of, of what you just said now is the word consistent so um correct what I'm what I'm saying is that the, the clear message that's come through with the video brochures is that the, the message is consistent every single time because it's delivered in a video. So you're, as mm. you correctly pointed out, the salesman could have been feeling um, in this way today and this way tomorrow, but the video will say it the same way across the board, whether it's someone delivering it in Sydney or whether it's someone delivering it in London. It's yeah. the same message and it's consistent. And that's the most important thing is you've now got a a team of salespeople who are consistently sitting in front of a company or or a customer with the right message Mm. all the time without fail. 
Correct. And they're not and getting overwhelmed or sidetracked. And, you know, it's one of the things that I say with behavioral analysis is that you have those certain salespeople, they're so friendly and outgoing that they forget to ask for the sale and they forget to actually bring the points home that need to be brought home. But this is doing it for you. Correct. And, and the other very important aspect is that if you send that video brochure to somebody and you put a personal note on it, mm. you would have them listening to your consistent message without you being there. And it's, it's the wow factor. That's what I like about it, Roy. I mean, sorry, you've got me back there because I've stopped playing with your uh, <laughs> your fabulous uh, product here. But it's the absolute wow factor. So, I, I've never seen anything Yeah, like and what, what Roy was actually saying, and remember, I've had a meeting with Roy today and he showed me all of this, is when mm. you push the very first video, if I was trying to get hold, you know, in front of Phil here, who's sitting here still, um, and I'd been trying to get hold of him and have a meeting with him for the last year or so, and he's just not returning my calls because let's be honest, this is what people do, right? I can record a video to go, hey, Phil, I just wanted to give you some information. Here it is. Have a look. Let me know what you mm. think. And mm. you drop mm. it off with him. And, Roy, you shared a story with me today about a gentleman who was trying to get into a big hotel chain within in the city. Yeah. He did exactly that. And within a few hours, he got a phone call saying, here's my order. Never met the yeah. guy. All it was is was this video. 100%. In, in fact, um, that's kind of... Uh it's probably a, 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 an angle where there's so many people that you want to be showing a, a concept or principle or a brand, whatever it might be. And when you're sitting there in front of them and you're trying to, you're trying to discuss it with them, you are in their space. Mm. If you gave them a video brochure, at whatever time they wanted to look at it, if you're not there, they're looking at it at their leisure. They can, they can switch it on, they can switch it off, they can listen to it three times, they can watch it. Um, and and thereby they're actually absorbing it in their own time. Yes, and one of the other things you said was that without fail, if I'm walking into an organisation, so once again I'm walking in and I'm having a chat with Phil here, and I give it to him. Just the, I mean, and I can see with Paul, he's so engaged, he's still going here. But yeah, the yeah, odds yeah. are, I'm, nine I'm times out of ten, he's getting up and he's calling somebody, most likely the decision maker to show them exactly what he's looking at because Correct. it's not so much that they've bought in to, you know, Mir as a brand and what mm. Mir has to offer. They're actually buying in to the technology and the high value of what I'm showing them that at the end of the day, the price they don't worry about the price anymore. Quite correct. And here's another, another really important aspect that um, I actually never spoke about today because there's so many features to it is um, I've done a survey. Um, I've been selling these video brochures for the last five years. Um, I've done a survey of people when they get the brochure, and here's what they do. They open the brochure, and they watch the video. They then close the brochure, and they open it again, and they watch the video again. They still haven't read anything on that brochure yet. Mm -hmm. They've listened to the video twice. Then they close the brochure again, and they open it for the third time. They watch the video for the third time. And then they start to read what, what's on the, on the actual... Um, you know, the, the side opposite the video mm -hmm. screen. So they haven't read one aspect of that video brochure until they've watched the video three times. It's almost like an additional salesperson working for you because you can equip technicians. So let's go into the medical field now, right? You could equip a technician 
with this very feature with this video brochure and while they're busy fixing a piece of equipment they can be saying to a potential customer hey why don't you have a quick look at what's new and amazing and exciting in my world I'm just going to be fixing I don't know this x-ray machine now all of a sudden the technician who's not a salesperson has taken on the role of sales but it's this little automated uh, video brochure that's doing the selling for you Quite correct. So you've doubled your work, your your sales force overnight. Correct. That's amazing. Absolutely. So Roy, here's another. Yeah. Here's another one little, um, a small little piece of information. Um, about three years ago, I did um, a set of video brochures for elite caravans, and you may ask, what what would they need um, a video brochure for elite caravans? Yeah. They used it as an instruction manual when they sold the caravan. So when you went away for the weekend in your caravan and you weren't sure how to get the bed popping up, you pressed video number three and it showed you how oh, to do wow. it. Oh, <laughs> wow. Um, it's just there's so many um, opportunities oh, and features for what you're doing here. And for me, from a sales perspective, I was just sitting there looking at the training that I'm doing and all the issues that I have over and over again because I go in and I train the same thing over and over again. And what you're offering here ticks all the boxes. Your sales team is not getting their message out. Here we go follow the instructions your technical people don't want to sell they don't have to sell get them to do what they need to do but let the brochure talk for you it's just absolutely phenomenal and amazing paul are you finished playing i'm finished playing so so actually um sorry i've got a question for you mia as a um (laughs) do you do you think this can replace salespeople? it's not going to replace salespeople because you will still have questions Uh, there will still be questions but what it's doing is it's actually going in my opinion what's going to happen is you know all those no's you get when you pick up the phone and phone by sending them one of those, that no is going to become a yes, and it's not you following up again. They're going to pick up the phone and say, come, let's talk. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Roy, thanks so much for coming on the call. It's been an absolute pleasure. I have got your little book, and I'm showing it to everyone in the world. Paul is almost back with me. I am, I am, I am back. <laughs> Thank um, you, Roy. Great to talk to you. And I will have all, Roy, all your details will be up on my website. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, they'll know where to find you. Thank you so much, Roy. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Power Up Show with Mir and Paul on Live 90.5. ...of the show, and it's mental toughness. Now, let's just be clear, everybody. When we're talking about mental toughness, we are not talking about your uh, state of mind or... Um, I don't know when your wife or husband or your co-host drives you absolutely insane. That's not what we're talking about, <laughs> is it, Leah? <laughs> Hi, Mia. Hi, Paul. Hi, Leah. Well, there's an element of truth in that, Mia, in that it is that it is that ability to effectively deal with whatever's coming at you and looking like you can handle it. So if Paul's giving you a hard time, I know that you're sitting there and he would have no idea that he's actually yeah. impacting you. Except for the objects I'm throwing at him, right? <laughs> So let's just do a quick recap on what we spoke about last week. And that was the definition of mental toughness. So the definition of mental toughness is the personality quality that determines how people deal effectively, as you said, with challenges, with challenge stresses, pressures, irrespective of the circumstances. So they look like they are handling it no matter what is happening. So it's basically... Uh, making sure that they're working at a high level regardless of what's happening and not having those peaks and valleys. So I've got to get something out immediately right now in the next five minutes and all of a sudden my performance goes through the roof uh, and then in three days' time I've got nothing to do so I'll allow myself just to slump again. 
Yes, and and you're absolutely right, Mia. It is about developing consistency over time, and it's it's also one of those qualities that is highly associated with people who are most likely to reach their potential. So, and what's fabulous about that is you can take somebody that is a top performer on one day and then has that slump for three days. And, and with mental toughness, this is a skill set and, a, and a, a capability that can be developed. So it's not a do or die, you know, stuck in the mm. mud personality trait. And that, that's what excites me, you know, to work with it. So where do we start, Leah? We, we've now defined mental toughness and we now know that we're looking at working at a more consistent frame of mind, dealing better with stresses. Uh, so where do we start by developing this? Well, if we start with where the research began back in 2002 by Peter Clough and uh, his uh, psychology, uh, psychologist colleagues, Earl and Sewell, they came up with the definition of four components that make up mental toughness. And this is the four components that create such a rich framework to work with because each of those four components can be developed in themselves. So the four components are confidence, mm-hmm. co- control, commitment, and challenge. And so I think today we, we decided we, we'll start with confidence. Beautiful. So how do we build that confidence or or where does confidence or how is confidence, should I say, defined within the mental toughness framework? Well, it's defined as the extent to which we believe in ourselves to reach a target. And so this is why the confidence element comes first, because the other three almost sit. The other three components can only be expressed when someone has high levels of confidence right and so and and we divide confidence into two uh, categories further one is our confidence in our abilities so how much we believe that we can have capacity for success right and there's few things more powerful in the human mind than our own belief in our in our abilities Mm. and and then the second thing is the interpersonal confidence which defines how comfortable we are at interacting with each other. So even if Paul's giving you a hard time, Mia, you know, <laughs> he never would do that. <laughs> interpersonal confidence would allow you to withstand that, right? Mm-hmm. So, and in fact, I think that's really good to further, just to highlight what behaviours are we looking for for someone who is confident, particularly when we're talking about business and the workplace, you know, and someone mm. who's not, right? Because... And this is where people with high levels of confidence, they see criticism as feedback. Mm. How Mm. important Mm. is Mm. that? Mm. Right? They're happy to ask questions. They see excellence in others. And they have an undeniable self-belief. Right? Mm. And they're not necessarily the chest beaters. This is not about, Mm. you know, that that behavior, although that is associated with, um, confidence as well, but you know the criticism. Seeing criticism as feedback, you know, could you imagine a, a team where everybody is is welcoming the the criticism, even when it, well, criticism is, is often words we don't like to hear, right? And 
I think the thing with this, like is where you, what you're talking about here is what I call very, uh, very constructive level of high confidence, not what I would call um, overconfidence that could come across as perhaps arrogant. Yes, you're absolutely right, Paul. And a lot of this rests on the fact that we've got 18 years of of academic-based research that has, you know, over 80 published papers in sport, in healthcare, in business. So there's so many different environments where these, um, you know, this definition and how we define confidence at this level has come about. And Leah, just to finish off the conversation, um, it makes sense what you're saying with regards to confidence that you want to get into a position that when you get that criticism, you want to start viewing it as feedback. And that's got to be part of mental toughness because it's a very strong person, a very, I don't want to say stable, but someone who's working at that level, that high performing level, who can take on criticism and go, yes, I accept what what you're saying. Let me see what I can do about it. So I can see how by building up your mental toughness you start to build that confidence anyway to be able to say bring it on let me see what I can do with what you're saying to me. Well you're absolutely right and that is another behaviour of someone who's confident when an opportunity presents they will say yes bring it on and because they have that belief in their abilities and when they have setbacks like criticism is often seen as a setback isn't it? When someone Mm, doesn't buy your idea, Mm, mm, mm. they don't like what you're saying, they're not getting you. So what is it that enables us to persist? Because there is no overnight success. Yes, correct. I mean, you and Paul look like you've been doing this forever, but I know the amount of preparation and work that you do to bring us such a high-level program every week, and I really want to acknowledge that. Um, because this is what it takes, right? And it takes a confident demeanour and a voice that says, I've got something worthwhile listening to. Beautiful. Leah, thank you so much. We do appreciate it. We'll have you on next week where we cover the second C um, and we'll start to really understand what mental toughness is and how mental toughness works. Thank you so much once again and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Leah. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Mia. Thanks. Bye now.